This episode of the Comedy Zone podcast is presented by the Comedy Get Down, August 15th at Time Warner Cable Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina. Tickets at Ticketmaster, presented by the Comedy Zone. From the Comedy Zone at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast and email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Spencer Taylor. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast. It's good to be with y'all once again. I'm your host, Will Jacobs. Uh, missing my co-host, Spencer Taylor. She's sick today, Brian. She's yeah, sick. she's out. So we're going to lose those six uh, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy murderers that listen to her. I hope they don't come up here looking for her. But uh, yeah, Spencer had uh, some kind of uh, ear, she eye. Said, yeah, she sent me a text uh, this morning when she let me know that she wasn't going to be here and said it, it is a uh, a cold, mm-hmm. an eye infection, and an ear infection in her right ear. And then she said, ain't that some shit? In her text message. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, can't pay the rent that way. No, you damn no, sure you can't cannot. pay the rent that way. No, you cannot. Yeah, so well, Spencer will be missed. So we're going to dedicate this podcast episode to Spencer's ear. <laughs> okay. We'll dedicate it to Well, Spencer. you can do her ear. I'll do her left eye. So yeah, you you so be left speak. eye. That was, the, yeah. Yeah, that, so you be left eye. <laughs> And I wasn't that a, she was from TLC left wasn't eye. She, yeah, yeah. 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 So is she the one who died? Yeah, she's All the one right, that yeah. which is a bad omen for Spencer, yeah. really. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't go there with it. But um No, but it's good to be back with everybody this week. Uh, so much going on, so much happening. Uh in terms of the podcast, we got named. This is a special recognition. We got named by the Charlotte Observer and the Charlotte Five. Mm-hmm. Um one of Charlotte's best podcasts. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kudos to us. Kudos yeah, to us. And uh, thanks to them for for um, you know paying attention. First of all, just for talking about podcasts, right? That's uh, a big deal. But also for you know having the presence of mind and the intelligence to to mention us in the list. Exactly, presence of mind <laughs> and intelligence. That's the critical, <laughs> right? And and plus, you know, I was wondering. I'm like, is this one of those things where you know you get an award or something, but they don't really listen to it? Yeah. But then, like we talked about earlier, uh, this is a, a newspaper, like an official publication. You wouldn't attach your name to something you haven't listened to. Yeah, I have to believe they've listened at least once. Yeah. And and thought, and maybe, you know, looked at the list of guests we've had and thought, you know, that, that, that that's pretty cool. Right. Because so, if you're the Charlotte Observer and you just say, yeah, that's one of the best, and then you tune in and they talk about, you know, bestiality or something. <laughs> <laughs> Today we talk about <laughs> puppies and then making love, you know, so... <laughs> You you definitely wouldn't attach your name to something uh-huh. that you're not at least somewhat familiar with. We have, and that would be the one topic we haven't covered yet. We have not talked about making but, love yeah. to puppies. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll wait for Spencer to get back uh, for that because she's got some uh, not strong opinions on that. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but wanted to talk a little bit. I, I've been updating folks on you know most weeks about my boot camp and my weight loss program, and I hit a bit of a bump. Uh, last week, I'm, I'm gonna have to take hit the pause button on the boot camp for Uh-oh. a while. Yeah, man, I um, I think what I have is Achilles tendonitis. Ooh. Yeah, I took the time to look it up on WebMD. Oh, you know that's my thing. I if something <laughs> feels wrong, 
Once I hit 30, I'm going to WebMD. So now you think you have cancer. I, I think I could have a lot of I might have cancer in my ankle. That's, I think I might have but ankle that cancer. That ankle cancer is bad. Well, no, that, see, that would have been in my 20s. In my 20s, I might have said I got ankle cancer. But in my 30s now, I try to go to uh, you know, more official medical kind of publications. I don't know whether WebMD is the Wikipedia of – I don't know. But I know people run to it. Yeah. And I looked at it, and what they described damn sure sounds like what I'm going through. Like I woke up one morning and it's like my ankle and heel were on fire. I'm like, where's all this pain coming from? And then I tried to walk and I'm limping around my bedroom. And I told my wife, I'm like, something is up like this is not. And I was reading up on it. And apparently, particularly if you in your 30s to mid 30s, if you start to really exert yourself physically, uh that kind of thing can happen. Mm -hmm. It can stretch and tear and pull and aggravate the Achilles. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I need to lay off of it until I pop this damn, or, uh, you know, yeah, so I don't, don't pop this yeah, damn thing. You don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I laid off and now I can only do like low impact workouts. So I'm all up in spin class, cycling <laughs> class. You know, I'm heavy in it. That's my thing, man. I love, let me tell you something, man. I love spin class. Really? That's my thing, dude. Like, I love getting in there, hitting the bike, especially if you got a spin instructor that plays good music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, listen. I was in there. They played, uh, was it Ice Ice Baby? They played some shit last week, man, where I almost rode that bike out the gym. I was on a stationary <laughs> bike, and I was like, I'm about to ride this damn thing out the uh -huh. building, man. I got so hyped. It might have been Drake or something. I don't know what they played. But here's how crazy and crunk the class got. They played the wobble. The last song of the class. And this older white dude jumped up off his bike, went up to the front of the room, and started doing the wobble. Hmm. And we on our bikes like, yeah, go, <laughs> go, go, Frank. You know, whatever his name was. And this dude is up there, wobble, baby, wobble, baby. I was like, oh, shit, this is like the club. My cycling class is the club for old people. So we, so we had a ball, man. But I love a good cycling class. The only time I don't like cycling class is when they're not playing good music. Because sometimes right, you right. get, you know, some of the folks that teach it and they got that house techno shit. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, pumping the fever. <laughs> or they take good songs and make them house versions. So you Wait, might. Uh, how did that one go again? It, uh, it goes, <laughs> give me the fever. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. And then and then you get these uh I some of these instructors are corny too. And like you get these corny ass instructors, so they might play a Jay Z song. Like this is one girl that she'll play hip hop, but she'll play house versions of it. So Jay Z's got this song uh called it came out years ago called like Show Me What You Got. Okay. And it's like dun, 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 and then all the stuff comes in. And then uh she <laughs> She was on the bike, and Jay-Z, the hook is, show me what you got, little mama. Show me what you got, little lady. Little, uh, little. And then the music comes in. So she's on the bike, and she goes, uh, yeah, that's right, everybody. Show them what you got. <laughs> so I'm riding. I'm like, where is this going? Yeah, and then she goes, uh, you know what? No, no, Jay-Z. We're going to show you what we got. <laughs> Which is what he was asking for in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But yeah. all she's talking about is – uh. Like a cycling harder. Yeah, that, yeah. So she goes, yeah, Mr. Jay-Z, we're going to show you what we got. Let's go, class. And I was like, oh, this is uh, just making me not want to yeah, pedal anymore. Just awkward. Yeah, she's just corny as hell. But that's So that's what people do sometimes. Um, but anyway, that's what I've had to do is 
start doing low impact stuff, which which makes you feel old anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, I have to be careful about how hard I step. And you know, I used to be able to get up and just run hills and do stuff. And yeah, now no. it's like, well, you know, I gotta I gotta wear a knee brace. You know, I got to be careful with the kind of shoes I wear. And my wife is younger than me, so none of these things affect her. So right. it kind of yeah. makes me feel like old in the relationship that, you know, <laughs> we do a workout. She wakes up the next day and I'm limping around the house like yeah. something. I popped something. Something's wrong. today. Yeah. 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 Well, this is just preparing her for the day when she'll have to wipe you behind. My wife is definitely yeah. going to wipe up my ass. <laughs> that I'm sure. Because listen, you, when you don't wipe a behind, you wipe an ass. You wipe an ass. That, well, yeah, I was trying to. That's yeah. it. Ain't no way to clean up what you got to do there. You wiping up an ass with some shit in it. That's that's the only way you can say that. There's no PC way to talk about wiping ass. But I think that she, you know, she is gonna end up like that. But that's the cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She just is. Yeah, she's yeah. going to. And, and I feel like there's a lot of things in life that I'm showing her. You know, because mm-hmm. my wife kind of grew up a little bit sheltered. You know, kind of, uh, you know, insulated a little bit. And I grew up in the city, right. so I grew up with a whole lot going on around me. So there's so much I show my wife. Like I remember taking my wife uh, back to Chester, which is uh, just outside of Philly, smaller city outside of Philly. And we were driving down the street, and my wife was like, uh, "Babe, uh, why are all the houses?" connected to each other i was like babe those, those are row houses that's, 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 that's what that is in the city ain't no acres surrounding nothing up here and she's like and there aren't like any front yards or yeah ain't none of that shit we got a lot of alleys if you want to go in the back it's a lot of alleys and um i told her that and then she's like wow and then we were riding through there and she's like and why are those guys like standing on the corner looking at us because <laughs> down here she used to folks waving when yeah, you go yeah. by down there they like yeah they looking like what the fuck you doing you know she wasn't used to that so it was all a culture shock to her and i'm like well that's what i grew up with that's yeah. you know that is what has informed a lot of my perspective and, and the way i see the world and everything else so charlotte for me was a slowdown from from what I was used to. I went to college in D.C. and, and some of that was the same. Metropolitan, yeah. fast moving. You get down here, it's a little bit slower. So yeah. that dynamic between us has been interesting. She's younger. I'm older. She's from, you know, sort of a more rural kind of suburban kind of deal. And I'm more city. Yeah. So that dynamic twist and pull and tug is fun. It's interesting. Yeah, that, how much younger is your wife? Than, my wife is, if you can say without yeah, yeah, in trouble. No, no. Yeah. My my wife is like eight years okay younger than me. Mine is nine. Oh, really? So you yeah, can relate yeah. to yeah. some of this. Oh, yeah, then. yeah. Do y'all do y'all have different frames of reference sometimes? Like you'll bring stuff up. Yeah, like she'll talk about like stuff that happened. I waited a long time to to find her for her to find me or whatever. And now I know because when I got out of high school, she was like nine. Oh, snap. So, yeah. Did you know her then? We started dating uh, when she was 10. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Uh, boy. I, <laughs> no, 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 no. I did not know her. No. You got me there. Like, you, and, and y'all yeah, see, we, y'all not sitting in the studio, so you can't see Brian's face. Like, that, I thought, I was like, oh, Lord, we might have I sold to, it. We yeah. might get canceled. That's <laughs> Lord. <laughs> no, 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 no. We were both adults. Okay. When we met, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it, so that reference. I mean, there are things like, like you know, she talks about like watching Full House. We've had Bob Saget on the show. She talks about watching Full House, which I can't relate to at all because Full House. I was an adult with Full House. Yeah, you were past that. So, yeah. So it's it, 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 there are things like that. Like like I've had 
to introduce her to the entire entire uh, Beatles catalog of music. Oh, she just wow. had zero Narrow, zero knowledge exposure of it. to the Beatles. Now, did yeah. she get into it once she heard it, or yeah. was she like, "What yeah. is this old crap"? Yeah, she, she, um, she. I mean, she had heard like you know, "I want to hold your hand" and the stuff that 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 you know, average people knew, but she hadn't heard anything off of the White Album or. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's uh, stuff like that that you know that I grew up listening to. You know Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. you know, I know you can't necessarily relate to. But oh, Led Zeppelin, you kidding yeah. me? Well, it, it, Ooh, it's, come on. Well, okay, don't Sorry. let the black skin fool you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because that, I know you like the R and B and stuff. And so I like. I love, yeah. but see, that's the thing about me, man. I am eclectic, brother. Right, I'm, right, I'm, right. I love music. Yeah, I love good music, and I think people a lot of times wall themselves in into a yeah. particular genre yeah. of music. Now, I get with everything. Everything except country. Yeah, I can't do country. Country's tough for me unless you got like a bottle of whiskey and you got you in on a porch. Yeah, right. You right. got to have and be going through just the right shit yeah, for it to then, hit you. Yeah. yeah, it's tough to get into it for yeah. me sometimes. Every once in a while, I'll catch a song that I like. But pretty much outside of that, man, classic rock, more contemporary rock, some grunge stuff, R&B, uh, Eric Clapton. I don't know what you call that, what Eric Clapton was doing. Bluesy, mostly. Bluesy. I mean, a lot of blues, yeah. yeah. Jazz, The Loneliest Monk. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Beatles. Love the mm-hmm. Beatles. Uh, love Michael Jackson. Love, I mean, if you, to me, it's like as music, maybe starting in the 60s or 70s, you're really starting to get into my wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. Like, I love music, and I believe, and may, this is just my theory, I think the way art works is the more you have going on in the world, whether it's turmoil or anything else, the better the art is. Yeah. Like if you look at the Harlem Renaissance, I Mm -hmm. mean, that was a direct response to oppression, suppression, stuff like that. If you move it forward and you look at all the music that came out around Vietnam, you know, I mean, some of the Springsteen stuff, some of the, I mean, some of the, the, the classic stuff that references that the art was better at the time. And then when you hit the, you hit all of a sudden you hit like the eighties, nineties, you hit the crack epidemic in inner cities. All of a sudden yeah. you get certain aspects of hip hop culture that, yeah. you know, are out of these conditions that were created. And yeah. it's this visceral kind of thing that comes out of these artists. And yeah, I think it's out of rebellion. It's out of, yeah, it's out of, yeah, man. Yeah. That's, um, even that, the punk movement in the, you know, in the late seventies was right. out of that sort of disco right. punk. And, then, yeah. and, and, and when you have kids that feel alienated. You know, kids that feel that's what, you know, grunge rock in the 90s was. I remember yeah. that. I mean, before a lot of these school shootings, man, Pearl Jam came out with Jeremy. Right. And right. that whole video was a kid shooting up his class. Right. And then right. a few years later, I believe you had Columbine. Mm-hmm. And that stuff started happening. So it's like, I think there's this feeling and then and, and there's this sentiment that's expressed through art. Yeah. And a lot of times real life mirrors that stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I'm a big fan of of music, and that's I think that's part of the reason that music can take you back to a certain place. Yeah, you know, it's like I can I can hear songs like when we when we played Gin and Juice a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I remember me walking into parties in the club, listening to Gin and Juice. You know, like I remember that. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's that's what I love about music. But that's some of the difference between my wife and I because she kind of grew up with more like this poppy that poppy kind of era where is heavy computers involved and yeah. the Rihanna stuff. And, you know, I like Beyonce too, but my wife like loves Beyonce and I'm like, you know, Beyonce's cool, but Aretha Franklin, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm, yeah. I'm more of an old yeah. soul. So yeah. we should, our, um, our guest is here. 
Oh, is he here? So, yeah, Steve Byrne is in the building. Oh, wow. So we should probably take a quick break. Yeah. And uh, get uh, set up, and uh, Steve Byrne will be next. On Let's the, talk to on Steve. We'll be right back. Comedy Get of the Summer, the Comedy Get Down World Tour with Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, Eddie Griffin, George Lopez, and Charlie Murphy. One hilarious night of comedy with the funniest comedians in the country. Get ready to laugh like you've never laughed before with Cedric the Entertainer, Eddie Griffin, D.L. Hughley, George Lopez, and Charlie Murphy. Saturday, August 15th, 8 p.m. in the Time Warner Cable Arena. Get tickets at Ticketmaster, the Comedy Get Down World Tour. It's the best comedy show, period. Hey guys, it's uh, Brian again. Here's what's uh, coming up uh, this weekend and looking ahead a little bit at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, this weekend, Steve Byrne from the TBS show Sullivan and Son and uh, also from uh, his uh, new Netflix special and uh, The Tonight Show and all kinds of uh, other stuff. Steve Byrne appearing at the Comedy Zone uh, this weekend, Friday and Saturday, uh, July 31st and September 1st. Looking ahead a little bit, uh, Monday. August 3rd, uh, uh, the Music City Medium, Cindy Kaza, will be uh, here in town for a special event at, um, at the Comedy Zone. Kind of uh, an, an unusual event uh, at the Zone, certainly not so much a comedy show as it is a uh, special, uh, she's a medium, is uh, what she is. So uh, you can expect what you can expect from a medium. Cindy Kaza, Monday, August 3rd. The Fight Night Finals, biggest show of the year for Fight Night on Tuesday, August 4th. The final, someone's going to walk away with the championship and uh next weekend of course uh august 6th 7th and 8th from saturday night live jay farrow is in town huggy lowdown in town the 13th 14th and 15th of august as well and looking ahead uh just a little bit chris delia two shows august 16th one day only uh chris delia in town on august 16th john heffern for a few dates funny on the fly the season finale august 23rd epic storyteller series the 25th and uh, all kinds of good shows. Uh, Michael Ian Black, uh, Jim Norton, uh, David Allen Greer, all kinds of great shows coming up. You can keep up with everything, all of the shows coming to the Comedy Zone. And also to buy tickets, go to the Comedy Zone website, cltcomedyzone.com. To keep up, you can follow the club on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Zone CLT and find it on Facebook. Welcome back to the Comedy Zone Podcast, sitting here with a very special guest. We got the amazingly talented Mr. Steve Byrne. How you doing, Steve? Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I already took it there, Steve. Somewhat talented, yeah. <laughs> so this is your first time in Charlotte, right? Yeah. Yeah, never been here before uh, playing in this market, but I you know, I spent the day walking around yesterday, had some great soul food at Mertz, and uh, I, was, I was like, oh. Then I took a... <laughs> A nap. I took a, a meat nap after that. I was like, oh, my God. Thank you. Can I get a USA Today with the business section as well? I'm going to need all four sections. Because, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it was so awesome, though. But, you know, anytime you think of the South, you think, well, I mean, you know, I know this is North Carolina, but you think of, of good food and Absolutely. just down-home cooking. So it's been it's been awesome so far. That's what I tell people. If you didn't, if whatever you eat didn't make you want to take a nap, then it wasn't really. It wasn't good, yeah. So, all right. It wasn't down South cooking. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you you hit it <laughs> just like within twenty minutes. It's like, why am I? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 
sweating. Why am I sweating? Yeah, why do I have the meat sweats? Yeah. It's just, uh, it was awesome, though. But, like, you know, it's, like, also great when you go to a restaurant. Like, on the road, you, you eat so much and you go out. But, like, where you go to a restaurant where, like, people are nice and friendly. Like, mm. they, like, you know, it's, like, one of those independent kind of places where they, they actually care and take pride in their food oh, which yeah. is kind of awesome yeah. so you know the mini walk in it's just like oh i felt like a regular and you know so your you, first time there you feel like yeah you don't get that at chili's no no no, know, no, no, so no this was nice that's good man that's good so you're originally from pittsburgh right yeah born in jersey grew up in pittsburgh okay. yeah oh born in jersey and then grew up in pittsburgh yeah i was born uh, just outside of philly chester pennsylvania oh great yeah so yeah it's about five hours i guess from there to uh pittsburgh yeah, like four and a half, five. Yeah, yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah. So I've always, I have an interesting relationship with people from Pittsburgh because I'm a big football fan. Okay. And you all have all the Super Bowls. Right. So we're like the ugly stepsister of Pennsylvania sports teams, the Eagles. Well, I, I, you know, there's something about Philly where Philly is so passionate, but it's like, it's literally the only city I would never wear my Pittsburgh stuff in because <laughs> you know you're just getting your ass whooped if you wear any Pittsburgh stuff in Philly. Yeah, that's that's how the fans are there, man. Actually, Philadelphia, the Eagles, had the distinction of being the only team in the NFL that had a judge and a prison underneath. Oh, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Veterans Stadium. With, uh, you guys snowballed Santa Claus. Yeah, we did. You threw batteries at Santa Claus, I think, we right? Threw battery, we threw batteries and snowballs at Santa Claus. <laughs> I mean, it was – that's the distinction that they have, man. And I remember – this is even crazier. I used to be what they call a uh, a bail commissioner sort of interviewer in the yeah. city of Philadelphia. So what I did was anybody that got arrested in the city had to come in and do an interview so we could determine what their bail would be, where right. they flight risk, all that stuff. So half the people I would interview on Monday mornings mm -hmm. had on Eagles jerseys. They were all people that got arrested at the game. So let me ask you this. If they won, were, were there didn't less? Matter. It didn't matter. matter. Okay, no, no, no. Because no. <laughs> if they won, they were really assholes to people. Right, right, yeah. And I'm talking, Steve, I'm talking like doctors and architects. Oh, wow. Or a lot of those people. They would just get drunk and get in that mob mentality environment just, oh, and that's fight so cops. Funny. They would fight cops. Fight they cops. Just, dude, they fought anybody with an opposing Jersey cops. Whoever was trying to kill their vibe at the moment, they were willing to get arrested <laughs> over. It was insane, man. I was just in Philly like two weeks ago, and it's one of those cities, again, where, you know, any city you go to, you travel, you're a comic, you find the local spot. You know, you can do the chain stuff, but I go to Geno's like the first oh, night. Steaks, yeah. I did two cheesesteaks, you know, the Wizwit and Gary Cannon and the opener. He and I look at each other like we wake up the next day. We're like, all right, we, we meet each other for lunch. We're like, all right, we can't go to Gino's again and we're not drinking tonight. <laughs> Flash forward like 10 hours later, knee deep in whiskey. It's like, we got to go to Gino's, right? We got to go. We have to. And it just, it's, uh, I love it. That's good, man. So you, you perform all over the country, right? Yeah, I mean, you, zigzagging. East Coast, West Coast. Preparing for a new hour. So I'm taping this hour, January, February, March, somewhere in that time frame, and getting ready to just be prepared for it. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you now, because you've had a number of hours and specials, really great Comedy Central special. And you, uh, what's the preparation like for that? I mean, how, how does your process work in terms of, okay, I got this hour coming up. Here's how I'm going to attack this. Well, I think it's... Uh, you know, I could have filmed it a year ago, but I think there's so many guys that are prominent that we all know who they are and they want to bang out these hours every year. It's just like, why don't I just put one out every two years and have a great one <laughs> instead of a good one? So, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I'm by no means I'm on par with these guys, but I just think in terms of a product and something you want to put out there, take your time with it. So 
So I think it just it's it's a matter of just taking it on the chin and understanding that the first three months is going to suck. Mm-hmm. It's going to suck for the audience. It's going to suck for me. Mm. Um, but you just got to weather the storm and just commit to understanding you got to create a new hour. And the only way to do that is trial and error. So, you know, even last night I went up and just, you know, I had some things written down. And, you know, the first eight minutes, it's just like, all right, shelve that and acknowledge it. And they, they know you're working on it. So yeah. um, it, it's it's a great it's a great journey to take, though, as a comic. And then when you film it that day, it's even that much more rewarding, knowing you started literally from scratch, and here you are with 60 minutes later, and uh, hopefully with a lot of applause breaks and, and laughs in between. <laughs> yeah. you know, that, well, that's so. Then how long have you been doing stand up total? Almost 18 years now. 18 years. Yeah. Wow. So it's wow, been man. it's been a while, and I know they always say it takes 10 years to find your voice, but I think it took me maybe 12. So wow. it took me a little bit longer, but once it, it hit, you just know it's like, all right, now how to, now I know how to write for myself. Mm. So did you have a professional background before comedy, or did you go straight straight into? No, that? straight into stand up out of college. You know, I studied theater in college, but I I never got cast in anything. I was so lazy. I was just partying and having fun. <laughs> I never really did anything with my degree at all. But I started at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York City, just sweeping the floors, answering the phones, Damn. and just working the night shift and just watching stand up. And I thought that looks like fun. So. Four months later, I went to Stand Up New York, did a set, and I was hooked. I, I was just like, I'm doing that the rest of my life. I don't care if I ever make a dime. And um, after 18 years, I can assure you, I haven't. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's fantastic, man. And then all these years later, do you ever look back? I mean, all the stuff you've done, uh, sitcoms, late night. Do you ever look back like, this has been a hell of a ride? Like, I mean, there's times where, you know, maybe I, I could, I guess, but I've always been somebody who's always looking towards the finish line or the next the next race. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always understood that comedy is a marathon. It's not a sprint. you got to keep working your ass off and, uh, you know, stay relevant. By staying relevant, you got to keep writing. So I, I never really try to look back on those things. I try to just look forward towards the next thing that I try to accomplish. Oh, wow. Which, I, and I guess that kind of transitions into a whole lot of areas of life with people, no matter what you do, that it's good to have your eye on the next. Yeah, yeah, it's good to, you know, appreciate the little milestones that you've had. But, you know, you know, as a comic, comedy is all about failure. For every 10 times you take it on the chin, there's one that's going to do great and that stays in the act. So I always thought that... uh Every hour special you do or a late night set that goes well, there's those things are all just a graduation of failures because mm. you have got to fail in order for those things to happen. And uh, I don't know, that's the big lesson I've learned in, yeah. in stand-up. And uh, that's why I try not to look back on things and go, oh, wasn't that great? It's like I, I, I more remember the failures that that went along the way to that mm. uh, success, I guess. So then you really have to learn to embrace failure that way which is tough I mean, yeah failure is uh, i think a huge key to stand up and and the minute you can you know everybody thinks oh i gotta you know uh, i'm a headliner my name's uh, i'm doing an hour or my name's on the marquee no a headliner is when you can sell tickets but i think mm. when you become a real comedian is when you get heckled and you hold your hand out and it doesn't shake at all and you're professional you understand all right I've been through a bunch of these situations, and now I know how to handle this situation because it's one thing for somebody to take a dig at you, but you can't let it affect you personally. you got to keep levity in the room, mm-hmm. and you've got to make that person laugh as well. So it's like a, it's a very delicate balance of, uh, of spinning all these plates but still keeping your cool and understanding i got to maintain my cool and, mm. 
and be funny at this point when somebody's trying to take a shot at me. Yeah. When your instinct is to go, fuck you, dude. I'm going to fucking <laughs> just start right. annihilating your face. <laughs> but you can't do that because you're a jester in that right. room. So, again, it, it, it goes through a series over the course of 18 years of failures of being in those situations and not handling it correctly that you realize, okay, I know how to deal with this. I'm not faced. You know what? And that was something that struck me when I watched you perform last night. It was like when you, you know, because you involved the audience members in some things. Yeah. And I was looking at that and I'm like, wow, that was gold. But that also has the potential to go catastrophically wrong. Horribly bad. Yeah. Right. So that was like that boy, that is a, 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 a really like it's almost like diffusing a bomb. Like if you pull the wrong wire out, yeah, yeah. this whole thing can go. Yeah, I Man. think had I tried to do that bit uh, maybe, you know, 10 years in, it, you know, I wouldn't have had the experience. But I've been doing it now for like five years now, uh, that bit that you're talking about. It's just, it's so fun and it's easy to do. And again, you have to have the experience to, to go along to pull that off. As with a lot of material, you know, there's material I'm doing now that I couldn't have been able to pull off when I was much younger because I didn't have the maturity or mm. know how to craft it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, especially these days with everything being so racially sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, even the hours I did, you know, the last one, it, there's some racial elements. And prior to that, there were some racial elements. And again, it, it's just you have to have the the right time in your career to be able to pull those things off. Absolutely. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, what what role did your your family play in all this were they supportive oh very supportive yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I mean from the day one they just they knew this is something I was very passionate about and you know for the first three months when you're a comic in New York City to perform at those open mics you have to have two paying customers that allot you five minutes of stage time and my parents were always my two paying customers (laughs) every Saturday for like two months because I ran out of friends I didn't know that many people I just moved there so they were they were very supportive they sat through a lot of Fucking awful comedy, <laughs> a lot of it. Now, your your parents. One of your parents is is Korean, and one is Irish. Yeah, is my mother's true? Korean, my father's Irish. They met. Uh, my father was stationed over there mm-hmm. uh, in Korea during the Vietnam War. So, uh, yeah, that's how this all happened. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's how it one happened. thing led to another. Yeah, my father was inside my mother and ejaculated, <laughs> and nine months later. Out came, out came me out of out of my mother's uh, vagina. Now, now a dad, I can I can understand seeing his son do comedy in this one experience, but mothers are so like it's tough for them to watch yeah. you fail if, if that ever happens. Was oh, it yeah. tough for your mom to sit in and watch your comedy? Yeah, yeah, but it's tough to do stand up in front of your parents of your, too yeah. because you know I remember I, I did my half hour. It was the Comedy Central presents. This is years ago, and I was doing it, and my <laughs> my closing bit was a joke about doggy style and about how women eventually, they're, they're on all fours, and then they just succumb to it, and their arms just drop, and then the head drops, and the ass is up like a kitty cat, and there I am banging my stage, banging my head on the stage going, your pillow smells like shit, and I look up, and my mom's watching me, and I'm just like... This is really uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm doing a doggy style joke on all fours uh, and pretending I'm getting pounded from behind. And there's dude. my mom. Hi, mom. I made it. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. I mean, it's moments like that that are like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be around. Uh, but, you know, the first Tonight Show I did is like when my parents were like, you know, that was the first time I, you know, they've always been proud, but that was like something they grew up with and saw. And then their son's part of that institution. 
And that's when it was like, oh, this is kind of really cool. Kind of cool, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. So, And then also, I wanted to talk about the sitcom. Because not yeah. only have you done Late Night and you know performed there, but you also had uh, Sullivan and Son. Right? Yes. I mean, that... Could you talk about that experience and how you landed that? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've been friends with Vince Vaughn for a long time, and we used to go hiking up uh, uh, Bronson Canyon, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, you know, there's Runyon Canyon, Bronson, and Runyon's like the the nightclub version of it, where Bronson, where people are really hiking. So we went, we used to go all the time, and we just talk about goals and what we want to accomplish. He said, "You should write something for yourself." And I said, "Well, I've never written anything." He said, "You can do it." I said, "Well, I've never." He's like, "You can do it," and mm-hmm. You know, it was literally two minutes, the conversation. And so I said, geez, if this guy believes in me, maybe I'll go. I'll, I bought a bunch of books. And so when I was on the road, I'd finish my set. I'd go home. I treated myself like I was in college. And I read these three or four books on script writing, screenplays, sitcom writing. And then maybe another three months, I wrote it. I understand the, the dynamics of the foundation of what it is. And I turned it in these guys, and Vince was like, holy shit, I can't believe you actually did it. I have a lot of conversation with friends, but Man. you actually did it. So he's like, this is good. Let's, uh, let's, let's meet some showrunners. So I met Rob Long, who did Cheers for many years, and we just got off right off the bat. So we retooled a lot of the, the script, but kept the foundation of a lot of it in there. And um, at the time I wrote it, I was living out of a suitcase as a stand-up, wow. and I was very happy professionally because I was headlining, I was working the road, but personally I was a mess. I didn't have anybody. I barely saw my friends. Wow. I was you know, just lost. So I wrote a show about a guy who has everything he wants professionally, but personally uh, there's a major void there. So that was the purpose of Steve Sullivan going back to Pittsburgh and taking over the family bar to be with his family, to be with his friends and have a sense of home because home to me was living out of a suitcase, going to all these hotels. So subconsciously, there was a lot of things personally that was going on. Right. And I, I could relate to that because he's a corporate attorney. Uh, yeah, in the show. exactly. I, you yeah. know, me being an attorney, yeah. <laughs> uh, comedy sort of filled a, a void that I had. Uh, so that's, you know, that's why I've fallen in love with it and, you know, looking to to certainly transition full time into it, so that that really spoke to me. Well, I hope it happens because the last attorney slash comedian I knew was Greg Giraldo, Giraldo. and so uh, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully you you go that same route, uh, you know, in terms of yeah, yeah. <laughs> talent up until yeah. 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 <laughs> up until a certain point. Well, uh, Steve, we appreciate you coming in, man. Uh, glad to be able to sit down with you for a couple minutes. Yeah, uh, certainly looking forward to your shows this weekend. And feel man. free to come by any time this weekend, do spots and oh. hang out and. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Steve. Yeah, it was well, great work with you. That hey, that, that that's the there great Steve Byrne yep. right here in the flesh. You're welcome. We'll be back. <laughs> the hottest comedy hit of the summer. The Comedy Get Down World Tour with Cedric the Entertainer, D.O. Hughley, Eddie Griffin, George Lopez, and Charlie Murphy. One hilarious night of comedy with the funniest comedians in the country. Get ready to laugh like you've never laughed before with Cedric the Entertainer, Eddie Griffin, D.O. Hughley, George Lopez, and Charlie Murphy. Saturday, August 15th, 8 p.m. in the Time Warner Cable Arena. Get tickets at Ticketmaster. The Comedy Get Down World Tour. It's the best comedy show, period. 
Hey guys, Brian again. Uh, we want to thank Steve Byrne for joining us on the uh, Comedy Zone podcast. Uh, a couple dates coming up for Steve, obviously here at uh, the Comedy Zone in uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, July 31st, August 1st, two shows each night. Coming up in uh, Los Angeles for Steve Byrne on Tuesday at the Comedy Store, West Nyack, New York for a few dates starting on August 14th, and uh, also at the Brea Improv in uh, Brea, California. Yeah, getting into uh, September. You can uh, follow Steve Byrne on Twitter uh, at Steve Byrne Live. Check out all his dates on his website at stevebyrnelive.com. Will Jacobs uh, will be uh, hosting all kinds of stuff. He'll be hosting Fight Night on Tuesday at uh, at the Comedy Zone. And, uh, of course, he hosts LOL Thursdays at the Comedy Zone in Fort Mill on Thursdays as well. Keep up with us at the Comedy Zone Podcast by following us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Will Jacobs is at I am Will Jacobs. Spencer Taylor is at Spencer Taylor. I'm at NCBalto72 if you're interested. Remember to check out the show on iTunes and Stitcher. On iTunes, make sure you subscribe to us, rate us, and leave a review. It's the best way to help the show continue to grow. And while you're at it, tell two friends about us. We'd appreciate it. Welcome back Comedy Zone Podcast Yeah baby We smoothing it out for you In the morning <laughs> Me Brian D'Angelo <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I got bro So we can go ahead all and right, cut the music <laughs> There it goes No but that's that's. I love that kind of soulful yeah, nice. Kind of group yeah, yeah I like that kind of stuff man I'm a big D'Angelo fan It is my opinion that D'Angelo is the Marvin Gaye of my generation. All right, yeah. And I stole that from Questlove of the Roots. He said it, <laughs> but I've been walking around saying it like I came up with that shit, but uh, I did not. So anyway, uh, fun interview with Steve, man. That was great. Steve's a good dude. Yeah. That was yeah. I really I really enjoyed uh, sitting talking with him, and he sat across from me because normally the guests sit to my left. But Steve sat across from me, and the moment we locked eyes, man, I knew we got something here. Me and Steve, we got something in this interview. You know, could you could you feel that podcast chemistry? I felt yeah. There was kind of an electric little little like where I saw you guys had a moment, and yeah, so I just laid back. It, that, that's how yeah. that's how I felt for me, man. It's like I looked at him and he looked at me, and then my back straightened up, and I said, "Whoa, this is <laughs> yeah. We got a chance to make some gold here." Yeah, that was cool. I I, uh, I think you know we learned a lot. We, yeah, we 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 you know made made light of a. Great comics passing yeah. at the very end, which which you know that's that doesn't happen very often. And you know what, Greg, <laughs> I I've seen Greg Giraldo. Yeah. He would have wanted it that way. Greg would have. <laughs> I, I know Greg yeah. would have wanted it that way. But like I said, the moment he and I locked eyes, I knew, I yeah. know. It, I, I felt like it was the same. It, like it was almost like when whenever Paul McCartney locked eyes with John Lennon. Yeah, first time. Sure. You know, or Michael Jackson locked eyes with uh, Bubbles the Chimp. Uh, they said, you know what? This is special. This is we we could do some things here. You know what I mean? So, whatever other great duos. But anyway, uh, me and Steve had fun. I hope y'all enjoyed that interview because I sure did. Want to move on now and transition a little bit. I actually, a lot of people don't know that doing this podcast, I have to leave work uh, to come do the podcast. So now the place I work at that, you know, they're having these meetings and stuff and, uh -huh. and different client stuff and all that. So sometimes I literally have to duck out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I do this podcast and I'm like, I wonder if I have a job when I go. No. <laughs> I, I may not. I may just come back in here for a fourth segment. Wait, so you just you don't like tell, you just disappear. You I don't even say of, anything, man. Well, yeah, I leave out of there like I'm shoplifting. 
I move, I move in silence, brother. I sit there, and you might have somebody up at a presentation, and I might drop a pin, and then I duck, and I crawl the hell out of that room. Yeah, and then it's like, well, Will, what? Oh, Will must have went to the bathroom. No, Will went to the comedy zone. Okay, so that's. But you know, that's why I love this podcast and comedy, man, because a lot of my background is. You know, as an attorney, corporate culture, that kind of stuff. So I'm very familiar with how that works. And if you're not built for that, it can like slowly choke the life out of you. And that's what, you know, that's what you feel sometimes, particularly as an artist. Like sometimes I sit back and when when people would talk to me and go, well, you know, you got a great thing. Like I had a woman come up to me, true story, at, at a show that I did in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, a couple months back. And, and I do a joke on stage about transitioning from law to comedy and everything else. And she walks up and she goes, I really enjoyed that joke, but don't quit your day job. Yeah, that's that. That's what she said. Yeah. And I and I and I was like, well, are you saying I wasn't funny? What are you trying to say to me yeah. right now? Just be out and say what you got to say. And the woman said, well, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying you weren't funny. You were really good. But your wife, you talk about her and she sounds lovely. She's going to want the finer things in life and you'll be able to provide them as a lawyer. But as a comedian, uh, you may want to rethink that. I said, first of all, you clearly don't know shit about attorneys, because if you think every attorney has the ability to provide anything besides hot dogs and noodles and noodles, then you don't know a lot of us. Okay, first of all, you graduate from law school with a mountain of debt. Unless you got scholarships all along the way, you got a mortgage when you step off the stage. So not only every month am I paying whatever my bills are, I'm paying a house payment in student loans. So that leads to <laughs> you ain't always got the finer things. And particularly if you, you know, start practicing some areas of law that, that don't make a lot of money, uh, that that is a that, that's a total myth. And when the woman said that it I, I took a second while she was talking and I thought about it and I'm like, you know, 10 years ago. I would have said something like, you know, no, 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 no. Let me enlighten you. Mm-hmm. Let me set you straight. Yeah. And then I would have, you know, this is my passion, blah, 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 blah. But all I said to her was, well, um, I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Uh, get home safe. Yeah. And that's yeah. all I said because there's like this, it's almost like Neo with the Matrix, man. When you are walking in your purpose, when you're doing exactly what you were put here to do, all that kind of chitter chatter, that's all it is. It's mm-hmm. just people talking about kibbles and bits. You yeah. don't even hear it. It's nice. Yeah, it's like the bullets coming at Keanu Reeves and he's just moving right through him. Like, I'm so in my lane with this. Like, comedy is so what I'm here to do that I don't even, it doesn't affect me. Any kind of negative, well, that's a pipe dream. And I don't even hear it, man. So yeah. it's like she was talking to me and it just deflected off me. And I was able to be like, well, you have a nice evening. I appreciate appreciate you coming out. Yeah, yeah. That, It didn't mean a thing to me. But that's that's part of the way you know that you're walking in your purpose and, and that something is what you were designed to do. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that, that stuff doesn't doesn't affect you like that. So, you know, that was that was a moment for me. I don't really know why I started talking about that. Why did I start talking about that? I don't know. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. So yeah. So that, <laughs> welcome to the Stream of Consciousness podcast, where this I just is, say whatever pops in my welcome head. Welcome to Will get stuff off his. Will chest. get stuff off his chest. <laughs> uh, if you want to jump in on Twitter and, and tell us what we, what the hell we would talk about, yeah, <laughs> that would be remind us why Will told us. Oh, story. corporate. Oh, the, oh yeah, the corporate yeah, culture yeah, as yeah, being yeah. an artist uh, in a corporate culture. So, but that but with that corporate stuff, there's so many things that start to annoy you. It's like you see patterns. Like I had. Uh, 
I forget who it was years ago described me. They said, you're the kind of person where you live in this world, but you're really kind of off watching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're in it, but you're not in it. Yeah. Like, and that's what I know, like with that corporate culture, man, it's like, like simple things annoy me sometimes, like the way people talk. Like I'm the kind of person where say what you want to say. Don't skirt around whatever yeah. you have to say. You know, I'm a very direct person. That's why you will never see me in a Twitter beef, a Facebook beef, any of that. I believe in looking a person in the eyes and telling them they ain't shit. Right. I won't type it. You won't hear from me. Yeah. Any beef you see with me online will be a one-sided beef. It'll be half undercooked because I'm not, I'm not participating. I'm going to wait till I see you and tell you exactly what I think. You know, so, th- so that's, that's how I am with that stuff. But in corporate culture, man. It's so much passive aggressive. Like you walk in and somebody will go like, Brian, you come in on Monday and let's say you weren't there Friday mm-hmm. and you might have a higher up or one of your coworkers go, hey, Brian, uh, hey, we missed you on Friday. Translation, where the hell were you? Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Just ask me where the hell I was. Right. And, and then I can tell you it's none of your damn business if I get ready to. Right. But just say what you mean and mean what you say. And that's how people are, man. It's just like they don't or they might walk in the room and go, "Okay, everybody, let's uh, you know, let's try to stay focused on on the task here." Translation, shut the hell up. Shut up. Yeah. Just walk in and tell everybody shut up. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That that's all you got to do. So but that's how that corporate stuff is, man. So a lot of office environments I've been in, I've enjoyed my coworkers and stuff, but I never quite fit I just I, I never I just never quite fit. And so much of it is BS sometimes to mm-hmm. me, because when you tell me like they'll do these things like uh, corporate appreciation day and they'll say, oh, where well, everybody gets to wear jeans one day a week and yeah. people will go, wow, this is a good. Yeah. man. they're really taking care of us here. It's like, oh, well, every two weeks we bring in cookies and muffins and they'll be in the break room free of charge. So enjoy, everybody, because we appreciate you guys. Here's a cookie. Yeah, yeah. Here, right. Here, here's, a, here's a cookie. And my thing has always been, ain't no need for you to do that. What's on that paycheck? The yeah. paycheck tells me everything I need yeah. to know about how much you do or don't appreciate me. So save your damn cookies and your streamers on my birthday. Don't even send me an email. You don't need to know what my birthday is. It does not matter. Everything they say to me, that's cool. But what's on that paycheck, though? Yeah, That's all I'm interested in. What is on that paycheck? Because as long as you're paying me bullshit, you're not fooling me with the cookies and muffins. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Take that damn money for the cookies and muffins and give me an extra dollar an yeah. hour. How yeah. about that? Yeah. You know? So I don't I don't go for that. And then and don't let the place they, they be a place where they don't give you benefits. You don't even care if I live or die and you're right. gonna tell me <laughs> you brought me some damn cookies. Yeah. Cook hell, cookies will give me diabetes. I can't get treated because <laughs> y'all don't give me benefits. So you so in essence, you're trying to kill me. Yeah. You know, you're trying to slowly kill me and then I don't have any benefits to get. So, no, that's BS. And then, and Chris Rock did a bit about this a long time ago. It also tells you what kind of place you at, how long your lunch is. There's places that you get a couple hours for lunch. Yeah. There's places where you get an hour of lunch. And then there's places where you get an unpaid 30-minute lunch. (laughs) That unpaid 30-minute lunch, oh, you know where you working at. (laughs) And you know how much they appreciate you. They don't. Okay? (laughs) Like, that's... You can't even fool me with that stuff. So, you know, when I sit there in these places, I'm not looking at anything but my paycheck. Now, the only exception to this is if you have a place that can't afford to pay you more. If you're working for a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. if you're doing something where you help the homeless and that's what they can't afford to pay you as much. So they do other things to 
you know, make it a better environment. And so you can enjoy your job a bit more because you're doing it for a good cause and you can't afford it. But when you're dealing with some corporate shit, yeah. for profit private entities yeah. and they telling you they can't you know pay you for this can't pay you for that here's your little last paycheck but we got we let you wear uh jeans and, and a t-shirt on on the weekends first of all why am i here on the weekends <laughs> if you appreciated me you wouldn't have my ass in there on saturday right. and then so anyway i could i could go on for that about a long time but that's my message to everybody when you go to places and you work at places just show me the paycheck yeah. Like Cuba Gooden Jr. said, show me the money. That tells me everything I need to know about how much y'all appreciate my ass. That's all I need to say. Yeah, yeah. I worked I worked in an academic environment for mm. about four years, and it's it's um, it's very much the same as a as a as a creative person. Kind of you know, in an academic environment, um, you would pitch ideas and things like that, and talk to people, and all they can think about is. You know, how do I go from this position to this position to that? They're they're only thinking, you know, of themselves. So mm. it's like, you know, it's swimming with sharks, but in a tiny little pool. It was just a really bad environment. Um, it, I worked um, eventually at a production house, and um, we were doing, you'll appreciate this, we were doing a video uh, mission statement mm. f- f- for a very large company that makes uh, machine parts for companies all over the world so a big huge manufacturing company Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're in the ceo's office and he's giving his you know his video mission statement which would be played on the you know internal uh closed circuit system this was sort of pre you know when video was still really clunky on the internet so they had to use oh yeah yeah, yeah. and he he actually said (laughs) in the mission statement said um we have to we have to empower our employees with directed autonomy. Mm. What? <laughs> what the? We heck? have to empower our employees with directed autonomy. What the hell does that even mean? Which means you still have to do what we tell you to do. Right. But yeah. Oh. <laughs> but we want you to think you have free thought. Directed what, yeah. autonomy. <laughs> directed autonomy. The phrase directed. Tells you it's not on time. That's, that's right, what I'm saying, right. man. We were. I was in the guy's office. I, it, it took everything I had to not laugh out loud. Dude, said that. dude, you better <laughs> than me. I can see your face. I know you like, would turn it red. Like, are you serious? I'm sorry, sir. Can you repeat that? <laughs> that we're gonna need to do that line autonomy. again because, I, yeah. But Brian, the part that kills me is. You have other people that go for that shit. Oh yeah, no, they'll be sitting there like, "Oh, that well, that's a well, that's a mighty fine mission." Who buy into it one hundred percent? That's what fuels the places, yeah. man. I yeah. mean, that's that's what fuels places. And the thing I've learned too is the more that they say they appreciate you and how important what you do is, the less it actually is. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I just wanted to take a second and tell you guys that what you do, what you all are doing, is so important to what we do here at blah 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 blah. You know, it's like the more you say that, the more I know this is some bullshit. Yeah. I know I'm not important because yeah. you wouldn't have to keep telling me that. That's yeah. like when the, uh, the woman on the help was telling the child, you smart, you kind. That's because you're telling somebody that might not believe the shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you're looking at us like, well, they saw their paychecks. So that clearly says they're not that important. So let me say they're important yeah. over and over again. I ain't going for that shit, man. I feel like you would know my name if you thought I was important. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's, yeah. Or you would say hi when I walk by in the right, hallway. Exactly. Or you know what I mean? Not avert your eyes. Not right, not yeah. avert your eyes. You come on, man. <laughs> You're not fooling me with this. 
and I want to scream it when I'm there. So that's why I'm glad I have the podcast at this. <laughs> It, uh, dude, I'm telling you, it dry. It takes everything for me not to laugh these times, man. Yeah. Like, and they'll do still like shit, like put stickers on your computer. Such and such uh, uh, made the most calls this morning, so somebody's getting a froggy somebody sticker. Man, you need to hop your ass on out of my cubicle, fourth man. Fourth grade. Yes. What is this, <laughs> dude? I worked at a place where they gave all all the people in the room that were uh, like higher ups or whatever. They put like a little a little thing a flag or something that stuck up from their computer, like a little, almost like a fairy wand that they stuck up from the computer so people would know who the certain positions and levels were. I'm like, at that point, you just might as well give me a fucking wizard that, hat. Yeah. Like, this, let's just go full Harry Potter. Give me a big-ass Dumbledore hat, and every time you ask a question, I can bless you with my little magic <laughs> wand. This is the silliest <laughs> shit I've ever seen in my life, man. But you gotta sit there, and but yeah. you got you gotta play the game because you got a family to feed, you got bills yeah. to pay. I, can't, I I'm sitting there looking around like I can't be the only person that realizes this. But yeah. you know, but some people, like you said, man, some people yeah. really buy in. Yeah, some people. I I remember growing up, man. I looked at, you know, somebody like my grandfather, man. I remember my grandfather worked. Um, it was like a steel company, man, and this dude worked there for like thirty some years. And it came up like a few months before it was time for him to retire and collect his pension. Yeah. And they let him go. So they wouldn't have to give it to him. Yeah. And I said, at, at, and I remember being young and seeing that and saying, that's bullshit. Mm. You know, I wasn't allowed to cuss, but I said it in my head, <laughs> I said, granddad, this is bullshit. You know, like at the end, and it, I mean, it used to be at least you got to go watch. Yeah, you, you got a retirement. Yeah. But now they don't even do that. So when people look at me like I'm crazy, it's like, well, you'd rather what I roll my dice with these corporate environments, mm. the world of cutbacks and layoffs and bottom lines. Or can I bet on me and my ability to do what I love and people respond to it? Uh, I'd rather I'd rather put my money on me. Yeah. And that's and that's what this whole thing comes down to for not only me, but so many artists, man. It's like if you get up there, because every time you hit the stage and you know this too, Bri, every time you hit the stage, it could go catastrophically wrong. Yeah. It, there's that dance that you do because you're dealing with the public. You don't know these people. At least when you're famous enough, the people coming out, you know, they bought a ticket with your name on it. So they're there to see you. And even then it can go wrong. Yeah. Ask Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You know, Dave Chappelle has yeah. sets where, you know, stuff of, and all comedians, not just Dave. I'm not picking on Dave. Everybody goes through that as an artist. Musicians go through it as artists, but comedians in particular. Yeah. And every time you go out there, there's that risk that this could go terrible and this could be the end, you know, at least of me at this club. Yeah. But it's also a rush mm -hmm. and it's also an opportunity and it's also a chance for me to chart my own course. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I love about comedy, man, because it's like, listen, let's say you work at a restaurant, your pay, you work at a burger joint, mm -hmm. your pay is $8 an hour or $10 an hour, right? I don't care if you're the Michael Jordan of flipping burgers. You going behind the back, through the legs, yeah. lettuce and tomato up above, slam dunking it into the damn Happy Meal bags. You're still getting $10 an hour. Yeah. The thing I love about comedy is that there's no limit. And if you're an artist and you bet on yourself, there's no limit. Now, the only downside is you could end up homeless. Mm -hmm. There's that part, <laughs> yeah, there's right? That. But if you, can, if you can embrace that risk and really bet on yourself 
there's just no limit to what you can do, mm. man. I've seen it too many times, whether you're talking about Seinfeld, Steve Harvey, Kevin Hart. You, some of these guys living out of cars, man. Somebody, I mean, uh, guys, females going through all sorts of stuff, man. Yeah. But they bet on themselves, and that, that's the way you got to do it, man, if, yeah. particularly if you don't come from money. If you ain't want to admit Romney's kids, you, you got to figure something out if you want to hit a certain plateau. Yeah. So. But you have to also you know, understand the, the amount of work. I mean – we didn't start hearing about Jerry Seinfeld. We didn't start mm. hearing about Jay Leno until they had gotten through that. Yes. That like work that, you know, Jay Leno worked the door at the comedy store and slept in his car in the alley behind the comedy store and mm. got up and went and worked for, for eight years, for 10 years, like Steve said. You know, so you don't, it, I think, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be Seinfeld and I'm going to, you know, work for six months at the, you know, at the comedy zone and, you know, I'm going to get discovered. And it just doesn't work that way. It does one in a million. Yeah. Yeah. For, you know, for people like you and me, I mean, I'm, um, I mean, my career isn't comedy per se, but um, I mean, I'm still, you know, I've been doing it 25 years and I'm still not where I want to be. And it's just because of the, the, industry that I work in it's not because I'm not putting in the time it's not because I'm not you know doing the work it's just because that's just the way it is you've got to do the work you've got to put in the time yeah in order for it to pay off but and it, you get that oh you know you know that you know you've got to run an open mic in Fort Mill before you mm-hmm. before you know you got to host fight night you've got to mm-hmm. work you know all kinds of different things before you even you know hope to get a shot and dude and that's you know and all that is with whatever's going on in your life you know right. with a new marriage with you know some of these people some people got kids some people got all sorts of things man but if you love something you you know you go for it and you take as long as it takes and you mentioned a, a, an important phrase there um until you are where you want to be but you know you may get to where you want to be financially mm-hmm. but if you're a true artist you should never be where you want to be. Right. You know what right. I mean? That's what I love about comedy is that it's so ever evolving, man. Like when I sat here with some of the amazing guests we've had that have 20, 30 years in comedy, man, every single person you talk to has different things they want to conquer artistically. And that should be a process much like self-improvement that never stops until the day you take your last breath. There yeah. should be something. Yeah. That, you know, there's still a level that, you know, whatever else, man, it's just it's just constantly. What's the next thing? Even talking to, you know, you're talking to Steve today. Steve's done late night shows, movies, TV, had his own sitcom, all that stuff. And he's sitting here talking about what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that hunger as an artist, man. And that's how you can how you can spot a true artist, man. Stevie Wonder still you know, playing with concepts and doing different things, adding things to his live performance. Prince is the same way. It just, and that's what I love about it, man. It's just, it's this never ending quest for the perfect set. There is no such thing. Yeah. But that's the beauty of the chase is that you always want to, and you grow and develop that way and you never fall out of love with it. You think back to uh, Bob Saget on our first show. Oh man. Who, how many of us would, you know, cut off a left arm to have his career Mm -hmm. right now? You know, if it ended today, mm-hmm. he's had a great career. One of the first things he said when you asked him, you know, why do you continue to do this? First thing out of his mouth, I still haven't done what I wanted to do. Somebody that's accomplished all that yeah. he has. Yeah. So, and that's and that's that's the part of it that I'm in love with, man, and that most true artists are in love with. Like, it's 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 that is that there's always something else. There's something. Every time I wake up in the morning that I still need to do. Yeah. So that, that, you know, that's why we do this and that's, that's why we love it. You know, 
And that's and and it's good when you have a spouse or a family, which is why I asked Steve, people that'll come along with you. Who gets it for the, for that journey? Yeah. They not may not be artists themselves, but they're willing to take that ride. And that's what my wife has been willing to do. Now we got this great thing where when I finish my shows, I get people's email addresses, mm-hmm. and you know when they and I I put them into my email database so that way I can send a blast out, letting people know where I'm performing, when website information, social media information. I'm really trying to step my game up there. Well, my wife now, I'll give her the list and she puts it all in the database. Yeah. So I don't even have to do that stuff. Yeah. And I explained to my wife, I said, uh, you know, this company we're building here <laughs> prior to this part, I had already made her like chief something. And I said, yeah. you've slept your way to the top. <laughs> it, it, I mean, essentially, because, yeah. you know, yeah. you you haven't put in the legwork yet, but you're reaping yeah. these benefits. <laughs> you're sleeping your way to the top. So finally, my wife is, you know, she's uh, she's really in there and uh, and and really helping me build this thing, man. It's it, this comedy yeah. thing is is a family business for us. And it's something that we've been able to share. And, and she helps motivate me. If you got somebody you love, man, you look over at him. You want to provide for him. So, you know, she continues to be a driving force and she's helpful, but it takes so many different things to interlock the right way yeah. for you to for you to get to certain places. So it's been a good You're ride. using uh chimp monkey for your uh, I am know? using chip male uh, chip monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude. Brian tried to tell me the name of this email thing. That's how technologically incompetent I am. <laughs> Brian tried to tell me ten different times the name of the damn thing was MailChimp. <laughs> And every time I would see Brian, I go, "So what did you say I need to do on the Chip Monkey, uh, the Planet Monkey Monkey World?" Monkey World. <laughs> I'm the damn worst, man. Finally, I learned Mailchimp because my wife kept saying it to me. I'm gonna get on Mailchimp. I said, "Oh, that shit is called Mailchimp." I was calling Mailchimp, it World God, of Monkeys. I like monkeys. <laughs> I'm the Brian. I'm the freaking worst <laughs> but but i got people around me like yourself my wife and you know we work together and create some cool stuff man so i, I, I lean i lean on people man because i'm bad stuff. with that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh i we don't we don't talk for a long time i, I think that's yeah i it, think right? um yeah we got deep and then and then and then uh, Chip Monkey brought us out of it. We got deep too. and we had some fun with the... <laughs> with, the every week I might just tell a different story about how technologically incompetent I am. Oh, Chip Monkey me... <laughs> I can't even say it. Chip Monkey makes me so happy, though. So that's for all, all the other comedians out there. If you want to start building your fan base and inputting your stuff, use Chip Monkey, man. I'm going to buy Chip Monkey right now. Yeah, I'm get go on my, <laughs> find Chip Monkey, man, and go ahead and get busy. Oh, uh, that's this week's podcast. Lord. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll get at you next week. Bye. Comedy Zone podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone podcast are Brian Hepburn, Lisa Barr, and Brian Baltashevitz. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever.